available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everybody, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network. And I am Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. We are the Podcast of Champions, and we're one of us is not in a box this week, so that is good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not underwater in a box pulling a hoodie. People asking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a great run. We're doing an early show because it's Thanksgiving week. Happy holidays to everyone. Hope you guys eat lots of turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes or whatever you eat. If you're a vegan household, very sorry. But, uh, you know, whatever you eat, the tofurkey. Have you had that, Dave? I don't know. That's a thing, right? Yeah, I think that's a thing. You know what the trick is with all vegan foods is don't eat the things that are trying to pretend to be like, um, you know, meaty dishes. Eat the things that are like designed to be just vegan, you know, like nice salads and things. Yeah. Don't, don't like try to eat some of the like mimicry food because that stuff tastes like cardboard. It's real bad. (laughs) So don't do that. That's your, that's our holiday tip from the podcast of champions. If you're having a vegan Thanksgiving, uh, don't eat the fake turkey. Uh, eat some nice, like, I don't know, rice dish or something. Right. And tweet it. If you have a good vegan dish, why don't you tweet us? Uh, you can do that at Pac-12 Podcast. Not sure we'll respond to many vegan dishes, but we, who knows? We, Let's see. We probably won't. Yeah. I mean, I, just being honest, we'll probably be in a food coma somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> the trip to fam goodness. going nuts. Yeah, I'm deep, yeah. I'm deep frying my birds, Dave. I don't know. Do you, do you ever do that? It's pretty good. Yeah, I've had deep fried turkey before. Um, I think actually at a uh, tailgate for a UCLA game one year, it fell uh, soon after Thanksgiving and there was a bunch of leftover turkeys. That we just cooked in a variety of ways. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was great. That's good stuff. Well, uh, okay, so just to get a hold of us, uh, you can email us, pack12podcast at gmail.com. Tweet us, like I said, at pack12podcast, websites, pack12podcast.com. Our voicemail number, 641-715-3900, extension 734-972. We're on iTunes, we're on Audio Boom, we're on Google Play, all that kind of fun stuff. So different ways to get a hold of us. Tell your friends. If you got a friend that likes Pac-12 football, tell them about Dave and Ryan. Tell them about the Podcast of Champions. If you just have a friend, I mean, we can we can be their first introduction to Pac-12 football. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, if I was introduced to Pac-12 football, you know, in my in my nascent days as like a five year old, and I just heard us talking, I'd be like, "Yep, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> let's, let's let's follow this crazy crazy league." It's uh, it is a crazy league. Uh, don't really know what to make of it. We're going to. Just to let you know what we're doing today, we'll recap uh, all of week 12, uh, talk about our picks. we got to talk about those a lot because if I win, we need to talk that's, about them more. Right, Dave? Like that's, that. not, that's not. That's <laughs> not. Um, I'm, I'm going to, when we when we cover one of these games, I'm literally going to spend the entire time talking about a decision to go for two that really, really screwed me. <laughs> so we'll do that. Um, and then we'll, we'll preview uh, week 13. There's actually seven games. In week 13, I think we have one question. We're doing it earlier in the week, so we didn't get as many um, emails and stuff. And i like to give a shout-out to the Pac-12 Football Players of the Week. Uh, maybe the toughest guy, Cephal Lufau, Dave, uh, Offensive uh, Player of the Week for Colorado. I mean, one of the 
the toughest quarterbacks I've seen. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, one of the, certainly the toughest in, uh, in the Pac-12 over the last four years. That's for sure. Um, he once again got knocked out of this game. I think, you know, you give any of the other 11 quarterbacks in this league that, that, op- that, that, that moment, they're probably sitting out the rest of the game. He comes back on the field, like literally the next series and, uh, and led him to victory. So that was pretty cool to see. Good for him. Um, then this guy, you know, I, when we were talking about our favorite players on each team, I didn't, I should have said this, Nick Fisher, uh, he's a DB for Colorado. You're like, who's that? Like, yeah, I never heard of the guy. So he was, he's the Pac-12 <laughs> player of the week. Um, backup safety, Nick Fisher. Yes. Yeah, Cause he's a backup. Game. Uh, and he was forced to play. So I think he had like 26 snaps or something like that, like all season. And then he had like 57 or something in the game and had a big game too. Um, I did not vote for, I was trying to, you know, you know, I thought that was a good story, but it wasn't like he had like two pick sixes or anything, but, uh, I guess people liked the story. So he gets the defensive player of the week. Hey, that's pretty good. He, he played really, really well. He was a big part of their, um, their kind of shutting down Washington state in the second half. Um, we'll get to that game, but that was, that was just super impressive across the board. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty pleased that two of my, uh, my buff stampede players, uh, Made the, made the cut there. That's yeah, yeah, cool. that was a big one for you. The buff, buff. As, a, as a as a big longtime Colorado fan, <laughs> like ten games. Buff Steppy. So two Colorado players for offense and defense, and then Utah gets the um, special team. So Mitch uh, Wishnowski, uh, Wishnowski, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, and it was kind of a weak, uh, you know, uh, pool to choose from from special teams. Yeah, it was teams. one of those by default weeks that we talked about last yeah, week. It's like, oh, like three punts were down inside that, you know, it was like something like that. Like, okay, that's that's great, I guess. You can be back close special, you know, but he's a stud obviously. Utah's great with the uh, This is special. crazy because one of his punts, I'm distinctly remembering one of his punts being returned by Dylan Mitchell for like 45 yards that set up an Oregon touchdown. <laughs> well, like, why uh, give it to Andy Phillips for making four extra points. I mean, why why Wisnowski? You Somebody know, I, break this down for me because I didn't. I watched enough of this game to know what happened, but I didn't watch enough of this game to break down the punts. Yeah, I did not either, so I'm not sure where that came from. I, you know, I have my own reasons for voting where I, you know, and that, I didn't vote for him either. But you know, hey, just I try to do it if it's like if you have a huge game against Rice, like if Stamp, you know, McCaffrey has a great game against Rice next week, it's like, eh, you know, you played Rice. You know, if it's a big game, you know, it's the you know, the Colorado beating someone good or Washington State beating someone, you know, whatever. Like, okay, that, that, it, I try to put more merit behind that, I guess you could say, or more weight yeah, behind that it. Makes sense. That makes sense. Racking up, uh, bad, bad, or big statistical totals against bad teams is nothing. I mean, it's, it's fine. It's great. Everybody should eat a cupcake from now and now, now, you know, every now and then, but <laughs> I don't think it, uh, it r- should rack up too many awards. Or, or if it's a losing effort, you know, it's like, eh. yeah. Um, yeah. which you give the punter of a team that lost, like the special teams player of the week award. I'm like, eh, you know, not really, no, but that, but, that but, sell subscriptions. I only get one vote, so I can't, I can't make that. Yeah, we should do our own. I guess we could do our own, Dave. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But then, then we the Pac-12 would be mad at us because it would we become, yeah, but it would become more popular than the actual Pac-12 one. And then it'd be a real, it'd be a bummer. They'd be mad at us. I feel like in a few years, this will no longer be the Pac-12 conference, but the Pac-12 podcast. <laughs> Our corporate entity of the Pac-12 podcast yeah, takes it over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll be naming all the awards. <laughs> Great. 
The Pac-12 Conference was purchased today by Podcast of Champions, <laughs> LLC. By, by a couple of assholes. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, well, we're hoping that Pac-12 doesn't go in that direction, but it's not, uh, doesn't seem to be, seems to be losing ground with the rest of the Power Five and not gaining ground. So that's. That was a little bit of a downer. Let's talk some games. Let's talk some games. Um, okay. Well, speaking of, we already started to get into, uh, Oregon and Utah, but this was crazy. This started off a crazy day. Six games on Saturday for the Pac-12, Dave. Uh, Oregon and Utah kind of didn't go the way you thought it would. No, Oregon upset Utah 30 to 28. Um, this was a bizarre game because if you were, so the first, like, I watched a lot of the first half and this was a very painful first half. It was seven to three at halftime. And then, um, I think I was watching something else in the third quarter when it was still pretty dry. And then you come back in the fourth quarter and suddenly it's a touchdown bonanza. Like this was a 14 to 10 game after three and then it finished 30 to 28. Um, and the final five drives for each team. So total. So it was 17, 14 Oregon and then it went. Uh, or no, it was 14-10 Utah, and it went touchdown Oregon, touchdown Utah, touchdown Oregon, touchdown Utah, touchdown Oregon. It was wild here at the end, um, and it ended on this kind of really crazy pass, um, where, uh, Justin Herbert threw a dime to Darren Carrington in the back corner of the end zone, and it was initially ruled, um, out of bounds, but then on replay, you could easily see that his foot had probably a, an inch of space between it and the white line. Um, and he made the catch, scored the touchdown. Um, you know, Utah, they, they, they put up some good, put up a nice defensive stand there at the end, but it wasn't quite enough. Um, the real weird thing for me watching this game was, you know, statistically, Utah actually ran the ball fairly well. Looking at it again, 37 carries for 218 yards and, you know, almost six yards per carry, but it really didn't feel like they were running as well as they should have against what was an abysmal Oregon run defense. Um, this should have been a 300-yard rushing day for a pretty good Utah rushing attack, and it just wasn't. And I thought that kind of told the tale. Like I talked about earlier, Dylan Mitchell had a really nice punt return at one point that set up an Oregon score. And in one of these like two-point games back and forth like this, that kind of play is huge. Um, but, you know, frankly, Oregon played pretty well. Justin Herbert had probably his best game of the season. Um, and that was bound to happen for a true freshman who's as talented as he is, and he's pretty obviously talented. Um, he was bound to have a, a really nice performance. It came in this one, and I think this was a sign that, you know, Oregon isn't quite dead in the water. They're, they haven't quite, quite given up on the season yet, um, and they got a nice win. Yeah, and uh, it, I mean, I hate when people say it was a tale of two halves, but you know what, Dave? <laughs> It's one of those sports writery things, like referring to something as a microcosm of a season. Yeah. It's just one of those sports writery things that you got to do. You got to do it. It was. It. But, you know, if you were watching early, you got the feeling like, hey, Oregon can win this game because they were breaking tackles. They had good drives that were getting into Utah territory, but they kept screwing up and they would only get three points. Um, they end up missing like a 31 field, 31 yard field goal before the half. They left a lot of points on the table in the first half, and it's seven to three. And you're like, uh, Utah defense is probably just going to take over. These were the opportunities that Oregon was going to have, and probably wasn't going to go on. And uh, but then obviously, like you said, there was a touchdown bonanza in the second half. A lot of these calls just seemed to go against Oregon. You know, like it was almost like the Pac-12 was like, you know, it'd be better if Utah wins this game. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, there was like whistles. All you know, they would call the play dead. Uh, that one Utah touchdown, like they called the play dead when the guy touched the ball and they recovered in the end zone. Um, that was bizarre. That was so weird. That was weird. There was a targeting that completely wasn't targeting, and they called it targeting anyway. It looked like he just led with a shoulder, like on a block. Um, who was that? Nelson? Was that uh, Charles Nelson or something? I think it was. Against yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, that the, the last second touchdown was pretty amazing, though. They called that against Oregon too, but the, the replay at least uh, overran it. But you had Royce Freeman was back, 165 yards. This probably ended up saving Mark Helford's job. Um, Justin Herbert, you know, do we four, think so? Do we think so? I kind of do. I kind of think that this is a big enough win that they're. We'll talk. We'll talk in the preview. But okay. what if they lose? Like, what if they're four and eight and they lose the Civil War? Yeah, I mean that would be bad too. Uh, but you got the promise of like Herbert had four total touchdowns in this one, over three hundred yards. Um, He'd be really good for another coach too. Yeah. <laughs> this was Oregon's first road win, which is crazy. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not big on, you know, advocating for guys losing their jobs, but I kind of am. And I, they, they've been really bad a lot of this year. And frankly, I know, I know we've got a lot of Utah listeners on here. Utah was probably playing over its head quite a bit this year. Um, they won, all right, they won a one point game over BYU, a four point game over USC that was damn crazy. Like USC had that game in hand and then Utah just kind of, did some weird stuff in the second half. Didn't beat Arizona by a whole lot. Lost to Cal. Barely beat Oregon State on the road. Um, had to had to score 52 points to beat a bad UCLA team. Lost to Washington. Beat up on ASU. You know, the, the, Utah's having a nice year, but um, I don't know if this is like beating. Like if, if Oregon walked in and uh, beat up on. I don't even know who. If they if they'd gone to Washington and beaten them, that's a that's a real win. But this one, yeah, you know, I I don't know how dissimilar these teams actually are. Yeah, Utah is now one and three against the Pac-12 North, so uh, yeah. struggle, little struggles there. Our our buddy Joy, Joe Williams, um, 149 yards and a touchdown out of retirement. But uh, it's yeah. kind of, you kind of felt like he needed he should have had 200, right? Like against this Oregon yeah, defense. That, that's the so thing. It was like, almost like he underperformed. Yeah, I, I thought um, Utah's offense definitely played like way under what it can do, um, and they should have been able to run the ball a ton more. Not even just Joe Williams, but just kind of across the board, they should have been able to run for a lot more. Um, yeah, I don't think Troy Williams took advantage enough in the run game. He ran, he had ten carries for forty yards, but that was not just carries; that was a couple of sacks. But they just didn't generate a whole lot. Um, you know, Joe Williams had a nice day, six and a half yards per carry, but he's had games this year where he's had like I think 12 plus yards per carry um, so this was kind of I mean it was a 150 yard day but it was a little pedestrian a little bit man we're rough uh, we both end up getting this one wrong uh, yeah. we both took uh, that's actually where this is coming from as everyone knows <laughs> it's, it's just pure bitterness just bitterness we've started the last two weeks um, started off like the first game out of the shoot like wrong you know yeah. And uh, it's not always good. I, I had a nice recovery. You had an okay recovery, but we'll talk about all those when we get to it. But yeah, we thought yeah. that uh, Utah would cover here, but you know, Oregon played well, and uh, that's why you know I kind of get the feeling that all the Pac-12 coaches are safe now with with this win. Maybe you know uh, Oregon loses to Oregon State this weekend. Something happens. Um, 
I think like Sonny Dykes, he might leave or something, but I don't think he's going to get, you know, so I, I just kind of feel like we're going to be in the same place next year with coaches, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of shakes loose. All right. Um, so that was, you know, that, and that had a play in the Pac-12 South, uh, title race because Utah is now eliminated. Um, well, they lost and, uh, that actually kept, uh, helped to keep USC's hopes of winning the South alive. So Utah's out of it from that one. And then the next one that had a, a lot to do with, uh, the Pac-12 North and South, uh, Washington State and Colorado. Yeah, so this game was actually a ton, 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 ton of fun to watch. Um, one of the most competitive games I think I've watched all year. Um, Washington State going at Colorado. They ended up losing by four, uh, by 14, but it really wasn't, uh, I don't think that kind of told the tale. Uh, Colorado won 38-24. This was just, I mean, it was a back and forth game. Just a lot of fun, really high level play on both sides for long portions of this game. Um, there were, uh, so many different score changes. Um, even, you know, Washington State at one point was up 24-21 and then Colorado scored 17 unanswered. Um, you, you have to talk about Seth Lufau's performance because, so we talked, we alluded to this in, um, talking about his, uh, the award he won this week, but I mean, just so tough. He took some hits in this one, had to carry the ball 23 times for 108 yards and three Jeez. touchdowns. Um, yeah, no, his, I mean, his statistical performance is nuts. So passing the ball, he was pretty good. Uh, 27 of 41 for 345 yards. And then he ran the ball 23 times for 108 yards. So by himself, he accounted for what, 64 of Colorado's offensive plays out of 100. So that's, that's a pretty healthy percentage. Um, but he got knocked out of this game at one point, um, taking a hit that, uh, seemed to cause him some hip issue. Um, had to go to the locker room, but then came back out. Um, after one series for Steve Montez, might have been just one play for Steven Montez. I can't even remember. Um, like one or two plays. And then, uh, he came back in and went right back to running the ball. Um, really, really impressive showing from him. I thought Philip Lindsay was great. Love watching him run. Um, he's like I talked about in the preview show. He's five eight, like a buck seventy and he runs with so much power and anger. It is the funniest thing to see, but it's also pretty awesome. Um, but on the, on the Washington State side, I thought they played really, really well. They ran the ball really well on Colorado. Um, they probably should have run the ball a little bit more. Um, Luke Falk played really well, and honestly, his stat line doesn't indicate how well he played because he had to deal with a bunch of drops. Um, he had at least one touchdown that was dropped in the end zone. Uh, Gabe Marks just kind of lost sight of the ball, hit him in the chest, but he, uh, he just didn't see it quite right. But um, he should have had a much better completion percentage than he did. He was 26 of 53, so under 50%. But that does not tell you what he was doing in this game. His ball placement was off the hook. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I'm gushing about this game. Just It was a lot of fun to watch back and forth. And, uh, you know, Colorado is now 9-2, and 7-1 and one in conference and very much in control of its own destiny heading into a game against Utah this week. Yeah, it was a crazy game, obviously. And uh, it's funny. We, we talked about, uh, Washington State and how the, you know, um, Mike Leach had his theory on the coin toss and stuff. Uh, but they ended up losing the toss. That might have been yeah, the that undoing. Been the omen. That should have been the omen. Yeah. The Colorado is actually 10 and one in coin tosses. Is that nuts? Um, crazy. That's these were crazy. the best. These were probably the best two coin toss teams in the nation, right? Yeah. I think Washington State's now eight and three. Um, that's pretty good. I mean, you're talking about a combined what, eighteen and and four there. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. And Colorado is also now ten and one. 
against the spread. And Dave, so we had this one differently. Dave had this one. I did not. So I started off the day 0 and 2, which is not, uh, luckily. Let's not, let's not talk about your comeback story. All right. Don't juju Smith me. Don't go into the locker room and then come back out and like catch a bunch of balls. Like, don't do that to me. All right. But it, it was a, so, I mean, great game. I really felt in the beginning that Washington State was in control. And I think the, the key point was that they were up 14 to seven and, uh, Luke Falk completed a long pass. They were in Washington State territory and that, that pass that hit marks in the, you know, in the hands or whatever, the chest. Uh, and then they, up not, they ended up not scoring. I think they missed a field goal on that drive. So instead of being a, you know, it should have been 21-7, it's still 14-7. And it just seemed to kind of go south um, after that. You know, it just wasn't working. Lou Fowl had a huge game. Philip Lindsay, like you said, the little man, 144 yards, couple of touchdowns. And I think that, that the home field really came alive for Colorado. Mike McIntyre, he had his guys fired up. And it was like a championship oh, yeah sort of atmosphere there. Um, and, you know, really, for third, if you look at third downs, uh, Washington State was leading the Pac-12. I think they were like right around 50% or, or right up just about 50%. And they were only 26% uh, on third down in this game. And so the yep. Colorado defense played really well too. You know, like you said, holding Falk under 50% passing. Uh, just a great overall performance by Colorado. Better than I thought. Um, and, you know, literally watching the game the first, you know, quarter and a half, I just felt, okay, Washington State has this. And, and Colorado never, they just took a few punches and, and came right back. Yeah, you know, and it was definitely kind of that, that boxing thing where they, they just took, you know, Washington State's best shot in the first half. And admittedly, that should have been, uh, probably a little bit more lopsided than it was. You know, Washington State missed a field goal. Um, they had the one dropped, you know, near touchdown pass. So they could have been down, you know, seven to 10 points at the half. That easily could have been the case. Um, instead they were only down three, but then Colorado, I mean, I, I don't think Washington State was going to win this game the way Colorado played in the second half. That was one of the better halves of football. Um, you know, I've seen a Pac-12 team play this year. Uh, Colorado, you know, beat up on a really good Washington State team. Um, and ultimately, like, you know, I think, uh, I don't have the breakdown of the first half stats, but I'd say it was fairly even, but it finished. I mean, this was a dominant win for Colorado. They had 603 total yards to, 462 for Washington State. Um, you know, they ran quite a bit more plays, but that was also a sign of them just kind of controlling the ball pretty well. Um, this was, this was a pretty comprehensive win for them. And, uh, and I think it sets them up for, um, you know, have a little bit of momentum going into next week. And, uh, yeah, this was, this was a ton of fun to watch. I would watch this game again in two weeks if it wanted to, if it wanted to come back. Yeah. I'm really curious to watch where Colorado ends up in the college football playoff rankings. Um, I mean, this is a, this looks like a legit top 10 team right now. And they're, they're there already, but it's just, uh, you know, beating Washington State is a really good win. Could still control their own destiny in the Pac 12 South. Um, so yeah, Mike McIntyre, you know, struggled the first few years and has a lot of seniors, a lot of guys returning on this team and he's making it work. Yeah. So uh, maybe we, uh, maybe we work that into our preview part, but I'm interested to talk about, um, which Pac-12 teams you think are still legitimately even half alive for the playoff. Cause I think Colorado's half alive. I think right? they are. You know, yeah. some, cra- some crazy stuff would need to happen, but, um, like not joking. I think they, they have a, a decent enough chance if they win out and just a couple of upsets happen. I think, uh, the Pac-12 champion will try- have a pretty good claim. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Uh, okay, so let's move on. 
Um, we had another Pac-12 Network game. Up next, this was, and Dave loves this, big game. Uh, Stanford and Cal. Yeah, so Stanford won this one, uh, 45-31, I think I've got right here. Um, Stanford just, they kind of did what I thought they were going to do going into this one. Um, they, it, it took them a little bit longer than it did against Oregon, but they essentially put up similar stats to what they did against Oregon. They ran the ball insanely well. Um, you know, averaged seven yards a carry. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had a huge game, 31 carries for 284 yards and three touchdowns. Keller Chris was once again better than he was in those first two games where he started. Uh, had a couple of touchdowns, averaged 8.6 yards per attempt. Um, he was legitimately good. Uh, they, they just allowed a little bit more defensively than I thought against Cal. Um, you know, Cal came out and Davis Webb, I think, is progressively getting kind of back to full health. Um, he looked pretty good in the first half here. Um, and they had it pretty close. You know, this easily could have been a tie game. Um, at halftime, said it was Stanford ahead by three, but then Stanford just kind of poured it on in the second half, uh, ran the ball really, really well. They're looking, I mean, it's unfortunate for Cal because I think Cal is improving a little bit from their midseason lull, but Stanford, um, has clearly improved a ton from, uh, where they were at the beginning of the year. I think they finally, you know, they might have something in Keller Chris. Um, he ran the ball pretty well in this one too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think Stanford's looking like a team that's poised for a, a, a bounce back season next year. A bounce back from nine and three. Every every team in the Pac twelve should be so lucky <laughs> to bounce back from nine and three. Um but Stanford looks like they've righted their ship um after, you know, hitting a bit of a lull this season. And uh yeah, not much more to say. I think Cal they played hard. Um uh certainly harder than well, not harder, but certainly better than another team did in a rivalry game that we'll get to in a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, just didn't have enough. But yeah, I think they, they 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 have to be at least a little pleased that they were able to generate that kind of offense against good defense. You know, I don't think they'd scored over thirty points against a decent defense this year, and Stanford's certainly decent. So um, that's uh, you know small comfort, but that's something. It was uh, the Christian McCaffrey show, so he looked back. Um, he's probably still running somewhere. You know, he was just running all over. <laughs> so this was his career high. He never had a 284 yard rushing day, uh, three touchdowns. Um, which was, you know, obviously huge. You know, he had, to, I forget what the receiving yards was. It wasn't great. I mean, it was, he had, yeah. So he added something there. Nothing really in the return game. So I think Cal did a good job on special teams, kind of limiting, kick it out of bounds, whatever you got to do, uh, to limit him. But, you know, if all you got to do is hand him the ball. <laughs> And that's kind of what they did. Um, you're good. It's going to be a long, long day for you. And, uh, this was, this was a nice game for Stanford. I think you, you look at the way they're playing, uh, right now. They're, they're playing pretty good football. And if this is your down year, like you said, like, you know, you should be so lucky to have a down year like this. Um, you know, but I, I got to give crowd credit. They had some, uh, some neat wrinkles in there. Did you see, uh, uh, Malik Morris, uh, catching some passes there. Big hunt. Yeah, that big, was sick. Big number 99. He weighed over 300 pounds. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, I love seeing that. I love seeing big men get, uh, get some love out there. Yeah, didn't, didn't get a touchdown, but, uh, but you know, this was very Stanford like and they just kind of took care of business and they, we both got this one right. They covered the spread. It was 11. Uh, you know, they ended up winning by 14. So, um, props to us for getting that one right, but it was it definitely, was on the cusp of, you know, Cal could have easily covered this game. Um, but, you know, I think Stanford was just in control enough that they, they took care of business. This is seven straight wins now. 
for Stanford over Cal. It seems like Stanford has a winning streak against like every team in the Pac-12. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy. Yeah, it seems like uh, yeah, a pretty long one against a lot of teams, including Cal and and, and another team that plays that I cover. <laughs> oh, but USC snuck a win in there somewhere, but they've had you know Stanford's won a lot against USC too. Yeah, USC won one of those classic David Shaw games like two years ago. Yeah. Wasn't that the one where he broke out the Wildcat like 70 times trying to trying to just see if he could play like a one-score game with a team that was much inferior talent-wise? Yes. That was great. Yeah, they got into the red zone like nine times and yeah. scored like four yeah. points or something stupid. I don't know, something like that. Not four points. I think it was like a win expectancy game where like I think uh, Bill Connolly's stats had it as like a 98% Stanford win expectancy. Like there was no, USC had no business winning that game, but they did anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Stanford's had a lot of success, uh, especially against the California schools. And yeah, like you said, like this is a down year. Um, okay, I take, I take that. Um, and we're, we're showing, let's stand, well, you know, we're showing Stanford some love here in the uh, power rankings. We'll get to that. Hey, don't, don't, don't tease that. All right. I'm sorry. We can't tease yep. it even. No, not really. All right. Yeah. I mean, and they're, 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 they're five now. Yeah. Okay. Eight and three. Uh, <laughs> hey, I didn't give it away. I was just teasing. I was showing some love. I yeah. Didn't. But I, I, yeah, we can't give it away. <laughs> we're a free shop here. Uh, all right. So big game. Uh, one of the rivalry games. Uh, this was not exactly a rivalry game. Arizona State and Washington. So this is the one that really screwed me because if, um, so ASU, let's just break this down right here. Um, cause I didn't see this play live, but I, I want to talk about it because I think it's important to talk about. Get it off, get get it off your chest. Together. Um, so ASU is down 30 to three. The spread on this game was 27 points. 27. Right. So they were at the spread. So it was 30 to three. Keep that in mind. Um, this is deep. So this is now deep into the fourth quarter. Um, ASU has no chance of winning this game. None. They're done. Um, they drive down the field, uh, you know, going whatever, 65 yards. Um, they score a touchdown. Um, and then they go for two. They go for two. They're, they're down 30 to 10 and they, uh, 30 to 9 and they go for two. Um, to put them down 30 to 11. And literally I was watching that score update while I was watching some other game that was a much better played game. And I was like, that's going to screw me. That right there is going to screw me because now it's a 19 point game. Washington isn't going to pour it on because they still have their working, um, assumption that they're not going to beat a team by more than they beat Oregon this year. And, uh, so they're only going to score like once or twice more. And ASU is going to score enough that this is going to finish a 26-point game. And it did. So break down for me why in the world ASU went for two here. Well, I was, uh, I'm pretty good friends with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I said, coach, Mr. Graham, uh, coach Graham, can you, uh, go for two? Because I really need to beat Dave. And, um, yeah. Oh so that was great i mean i love if you're if it's a 27 point spread and you you end up losing by 26 that's a huge win for me i love that that's amazing thank you todd graham you're my favorite um okay so here's the thing though like yeah arizona state should have been closer at some point i really felt that there was two ways to win this game if you pick the points one washington jumps out to some crazy lead and then they take their foot they take their foot off the gas kind of like what they did against oregon state right like they were up 40 to 3 or something and then just backed off uh-huh. two 
Arizona State actually scores and like, you know, Washington wins by three touchdowns, but doesn't cover. And it was turning out to be the former because of ASU looked like they should have been able to score. They had a pick six that got called back because of a penalty. And then they throw a pick in the end zone themselves. So they score no points out of that. Um, so, and then Washington just kicked a 22 yard field goal and a 24 yard field goal to open the second half. That's what happened. If they do touchdowns on those, we're not even having this conversation right, right now. I'm just doing a dance. I'm doing a celebratory <laughs> dance during this entire discussion. Like that's what happens. Yeah. But instead, I'm sitting here trying to break down why ASU went for two with 10 minutes to go in this game. Right. Well, that was just, that was, did, uh, that was a smart play. That was the smart play. Yeah, did he have money on this? Yeah, that was a smart play. Being down by 19 versus being down 20 is that significant. You know, frankly, I, I thought Jake Browning kind of struggled to start this game. Um, you know, Washington legitimately should have been tearing apart this ASU pass defense. They weren't really able to. Uh, Jake Browning was fine statistically by yeah. the end, but he threw a couple of picks. Um, did, I think yeah. he's still in a little bit of a funk after that USC game. A little bit. I mean, he, but he threw 338 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the pick six wasn't pretty. And I didn't even get to see what the penalty was. Did you see what, like, how that got called back or whatever? No, I didn't see what the actual call was. Yeah. And, uh, but it was whatever. So they, and then the, the interception in the end zone was amazing. That one handed, I mean, that had to be the play. That, of the day. that was so, so cool. The play so of the day. Cool. And then Washington scores like at a long play, like the next play or something. So it was like a 14 point swing like that. Um, which is basically half the spread. Uh, but, but like you said, Washington just was in control. Uh, Browning didn't have his best day. Maybe a little bit of a hangover from the Washington, um, from the USC game, but, um, with, you know, 338 yards and you're like, eh, you know, he didn't play great. A couple of picks. Miles Gaskin, 127 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, Washington, didn't they score on an onside kick too? It's like, so there was, there was some fortune going Washington's way as well, Dave. Whatever. Whatever. Um, they returned an onside kick for a touchdown. Like, come on. Dude, it was, so Washington had 539 yards. Arizona State had 245. Oof. They should have won this by like 40 points. Um, ASU ran for 15 yards on 27 carries. <laughs> That's terrible. They should have run, they should have won this game by like 50. Like ASU has two great game. running backs too. It's like, that just baffles me. Yeah, it was, it's, I think if you combine the, the like running back talent for ASU and UCLA and you put them on anybody else's team, they would be running so well this year. But, um, pair of garbage offensive lines and, um, schemes that aren't doing them any favors whatsoever. You know, the last time, uh, Washington beat Arizona State was 2001. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's one of those weird streaks that no one knows about. Yeah, I didn't know about that. I don't know how, I mean, if they've missed each other, but well. They probably missed each other a few times, but there was a round robin for like yeah. six years, wasn't there? Yeah. Man. Uh, so great cover for me. Yay. Um, <laughs> that this was, one, this is, the, this is the one that made me sick, you know, because <laughs> I was like, all right, I can deal with the Oregon loss because that was fine because we both had it. And I can deal with the UCLA USC thing because, you know, whatever. But this one, this one makes me sick. <laughs> it was obviously as, you know, 27 point spread is huge. It's, it's almost like a coin flip at that point. So, uh, it could have gone either way, but luckily. <laughs> oh All right. Okay. Sorry. We don't need to, uh, 
rub it in Dave's face, but it, it was it was very nice. I was I was very happy that that happened after my 0-2 start. I, I thought it was going to be a rough day. I was like, ah, if I could just get to 500, it'd be good. Um, okay, so this one was the one I was at, uh, USC and UCLA. All right, so USC went to the Rose Bowl, won 36-14. Um, UCLA shot its wad in the first half, scored 14 fairly quick ones, um, actually had a 14-7 lead, and then USC rattled off 29 straight points, um, basically turned off the faucet on UCLA's offense in general. Um, I looked it up. I think UCLA had 47 or 49 yards rushing in the first quarter, and then they had like seven in the remainder of the game. Um, so that was bad. Uh, UCLA's defense was good going into this game, um, allowed USC to be super efficient. Um, USC, I think, had a nine-minute drive at one point. Um, so I'm going to break this one down because I talked about it in the stories I wrote, but I want to break it down here again because uh, this was egregious surrender football. Um, UCLA gets the ball um, after USC goes up 30-14 to 14 to start the second half, um, and they are finally moving the ball a little bit after a terrible second quarter. Um, Mike Dave will complete a couple of passes to former Trojan Caleb Wilson, um, who gets him down the field a little bit. They're near midfield, and they've got a second and two, a third and two, and then a fourth and one um, at the UCLA 46. First up, Bolua run from me, runs lateral to the line of scrimmage. Uh, he fumbles, but he recovers, so now it's third and two. Then they take their 245-pound running back and run him on a stretch play um, against the fastest defense they've played. Naturally, he only gains a yard. It's fourth and one. And at this point, you say, okay, obviously they're going to go for it because they're down 16 points and USC has just been scoring left and right for the last few drives. Uh, they punt. And that basically surrendered the game because then USC had an 18-play, 73-yard drive, uh, nine minutes, and uh, score a field goal, and that was that was it. Then it was, then it was you know, 13 minutes to go in the game and UCLA's offense was done. So... Um, I thought they surrendered the game right there. I thought that was pretty egregious um, and some very bad strategic decision making by UCLA staff. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the way UCLA came out of the gate was great. I mean, I thought they played really well. There was uh, the crowd was into it. It was inspired um, and running the football well. This is a team that has been terrible running football, but last week there was a spark, right? I mean, you got to see them run the ball better. That. That spark was the lighter fluid that is Oregon State's rush defense. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but they came out running the ball well, I think three straight runs and got a couple first downs and then long pass, uh, to Jordan Lasley touchdown. It was like, boom. Um, and who, the guy with the long name, like, I don't know why they just, he shouldn't run him the ball that you give him the ball all the time. You want, to know, you want to know how many carries he had? You want to know? How many? He had five. He had five carries. Five carries, and he had like three of them or four of them in the first quarter. Yeah, he was great, and then they never went back to him for some reason, which yeah. was um, it's almost like it's almost like there's no rhyme or reason to UCLA's offensive attack this year. Yeah, that was uh, that was a little weird, but you know, I thought UCLA was playing well at first, and and you know, USC just you know seemed to you know have some screw ups early on. Maybe there was a little hangover from beating Washington, and then they kind of settled in. Um, I thought there was great pressure on Sam Darnold to start. Uh, I think it was Kenny Young got a sack yeah. early on, but then, and, and so you felt like a couple of QB pressures and then, uh, then 
nothing for a very long time. Yeah, and, you know, Sam Darnold's really hard to sack. And so when UCLA got an early one, I'm like, this, I tweeted, I'm like, this could be a big factor because we haven't seen him, um, face that kind of pass rush before. And especially an individual, uh, pass rushing stud like McKinley. Um, I thought there were some great plays by the defensive line, like Vanderdoe's my dude, you know, trucked one of the dude, you know, he's, I thought there were some good plays, but they weren't able to get the constant pressure. And when they were there, this is what Darnold does so well is it's not that he just gets away, uh, especially on third down. I mean, they were, he was so efficient on third down. He'll get away and then he'll make a big play downfield. It's not like he just runs and runs out of bounds and avoids a sack, but only yeah, gains two yards. One, there was one of those that was just, you could see it just kind of take the air out of the entire defense because they almost had him sacked. Like there were two guys converging on him. I think they even crushed him after the play. And he basically threw a ball across his body um, and just perfectly in the receiver's hands right as he was falling out of bounds. Um, and you could just see it take the air and just deflate the entire defense. Um, he's got that knack. And he's done that in many games this year. Um, just the ability to kind of scramble around. Really, really tired. I mean, unheralded thing for a quarterback who's got the kind of feet and feel that Darnold does. He exhausts defensive linemen. Yeah. Like if you watch the Karis McKinley, like literally three minutes into the third into the third quarter, like they just had halftime. He just had twenty minutes off where he could just <laughs> kind of rest his feet and hang out. He's got his hands on his hips, just heaving because he's running after Darnold the whole time. Um, and they did a really nice job of rolling away from McKinley. This is a nicely schemed game from USC's offense. Um, you have to give them a ton of credit because they understood that McKinley was probably the best pass rusher they've played, and they just rolled away from him all night. Darnold was just kind of going the other way and kept uh, McKinley just on the move all night, and uh, that was that was very tough uh, for UCLA to deal with because they don't have another really effective pass rusher besides him. I uh, actually talked to Tyson Helton, the uh, quarterback coach, and he's like the passing game coordinator or whatever that means, but um, about that, he's like, yeah, we put him – we know he's good in motion, and so we do that a lot. So they they try to move him around, and it just seems to be he does a pretty good job, I think, after he's moving to set his feet and throw. But he can, you know, throw off the back foot and stuff if he has to. But it's just it kind of keeps the, you know, the the front seven of the opposing defense on. I mean, on their toes because they're just never sure where he's going to be, and if they do get to him, he can get away, and it's it it has to be frustrating because you're like chasing this dude all over the place. And, uh, it's not only that he can get away, but he can get away and make a play, uh, down the field. So I thought he had a, an efficient game, but really, when you saw the UCLA offense come out of the gate the way they did through the first 17 minutes of the game, you're like, okay, this can be a game. And after that, it was just, I don't know what happened. I mean, no, no points in the it, second half. Uh, yeah. two of 11 on third down for the game, only 10 first downs the whole game and just 16 minutes of time of possession. Like that's pretty awful. Yeah, I think what they had in mind was that the defense was going to be a lot better than it was because when UCLA went off of a script at the beginning of the game, like UCLA's script was really good. Yeah. They had a, they had a nicely scripted, I think, first couple of drives. And I think they were hoping that whatever they scored off of that would be basically enough. Um, you know, I think they were hoping to maybe get one more score out of this. And, you know, it, I think for UCLA, they can't think in terms of, okay, we're going to put up 30 points. That's just not going to happen against a good defense this year, not with the way UCLA's offense is. But I think they were thinking, Okay, we'll put up like 21, 24, maybe in that range, and then we'll just count on our defense to hold off USC. And frankly, 
the defense just wasn't quite up to it. And I mean, obviously the offense wasn't either, but that's an obvious statement at this point. But the defense wasn't up to it. And I thought, honestly, um, if USC hadn't wasted 15 carries on Justin Davis, who clearly is not 100% and clearly um, just doesn't have it this game, uh, it could have been worse. Um, if Ronald Jones got 10 more carries, he might have had 60 more yards and two more touchdowns. Um, so, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, UCLA was helped a little bit by that. But frankly, I mean, the defense just played, you know, the defense probably played its C game and they needed to play their A-plus game. And it just, they, they didn't quite have it in this game. And that was uh, a pretty much a tale. Yeah, USC had you know more than 500 yards, which people were asking me before the game. I they said over under 500. I said definitely under, so I was wrong on that. But it's uh, the score wasn't as bad as the statistics look. Um, USC ended up kicking a bunch of field goals, and yeah. there was definitely still a chance for a backdoor cover in this one. Yeah, that was really what I was counting on here at the end um, because that that's you know that's all I care about honestly. <laughs> Uh, is winning this this game with absolutely no stakes between me and Ryan, and, uh, it, and it, it didn't really happen. means nothing, uh, and we care about it so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I thought it was going to happen. I thought when um, USC went up thirty three fourteen, I had a feeling UCLA was going to drive for just a meaningless touchdown, make it thirty three twenty one, and have that be the final. But unfortunately, I couldn't even count on them for that. So. They did have a decent drive there, though. Like, down 33-14, yeah. they had a drive where they got to, yeah, it was to the USC 44 with, like, 11 to go. And I was like, you know, this could be it. Because if they continue driving at, like, methodical pace, it'll be, like, seven minutes to go, and they'll be down 12. And USC might just decide to, like, run the whole time then and not score again. So that's what I was counting on. I was counting on 33-12. to 12. It was uh, and it was a late night in the the Rose Bowl. I got home at like one thirty. Thirty three to twenty one. Sorry. Thirty three to twenty one. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was. I hate this game at night. I mean, you it know, should it, never be at night. No, seventy one thousand there, and it was just like, eh, it just wasn't the same. You know, when I got in there early, you could see the mountains. It was just the beautiful setting. But by the time all the fans get there, it's dark, and it's just like you could be in a dome. It didn't really matter. You know. Yeah, exactly. I, I, there was one other night game recently. Was that the 50 to nothing game that was a night game or was it 2010? Uh, I think it was 2010 was the night game where there was like stabbings and stuff. Yeah, that was not good. Yeah, the 2011 game was at USC. Um, yeah, 2010 was not good. There was that brawl. There was all kinds of bad stuff. You can't, you can't let this game be at night because this is probably the drunkest the two fan bases get. <laughs> I don't know about USC and Notre Dame, but this is this is probably close for both fan bases, and it's you know it's in city rivalry, the whole deal. You just can't do that, you know. Yeah, it's not good. And then and then the golf, you know, the people have to clean up the golf course. They've got a little bit less time to do it because you know it's a night game. That's yeah. true. Yeah. All right, we got one more. This was a Pac-12 Network game. Uh, really. That, that we always have one of these battles, Dave, uh, between our number 11 and number 12 team. And this year wasn't quite as exciting. Oregon State and Arizona. Yeah. So this was, <laughs> this was, I, I think, kind of what we thought it was going to be. Um, so Oregon State won 42 to 17. I think we both had Oregon State covering. I don't know if we necessarily thought they would win by 25 points, but uh, I, I wasn't shocked by the, by the amount. Yeah, it was a six and a half point spread. We both, we were both all over Oregon State on this. Yeah, Oregon State just, I mean, if you want to talk about a team that has, has packed it in for the season, 
that would be your Arizona Wildcats. Uh, they are now 0-8 in conference. 2-9 and nine overall. Um, they're, they're terrible. They're, I think they're worse than that Oregon State team last year that went winless in conference. I, I'd love to have a, a, a real tournament, like a theoretical tournament between all of the crappy Pac-12 teams from the last four years, but I think Arizona might be the crappiest. They might be worse than that. I think there was a winless Colorado team in there. I think they're worse than that, too. They're, they're really bad. Um, anyway, Oregon State, uh, Marcus McMarion, maybe Oregon State stumbled on its quarterback because he was 16 of 19, five touchdowns, averaged nearly 14 yards per attempt. Um, Ryan Nall came back for this one, didn't look super hobbled, um, 23 carries for 124 yards and a touchdown. Artavis Pierce um, ran pretty well as his backup. Um, you know, Arizona ran the ball okay, couldn't pass at all, um, and really just didn't do enough. Um Oregon State just kind of dominated them offensively, and this was not a good Oregon State offense. It was fine-ish, but not not good. And, uh, you know, racking up, what, 475 yards and six touchdowns? That'll, that'll make you, that'll, 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 that'll put up 25 point win on Arizona. I, uh, I dedicated as much time as I could to this. It was going on at the same time, you know, I was in the press box, but I had my iPad and was watching it and, uh, it seemed like every time I looked up, it was like Marcus McMarion threw another touchdown pass. He actually had five touchdown passes in this game, Dave, on 19 attempts. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, right there. That's, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. there was really sick. Did you see that one handed catch? I think it was Hernandez made in the, uh, that was so cool. That was pretty awesome. Uh, Ryan all did get the play 124 yards and a touchdown on 23 carries. So that was, you know, that's good. Um, I think Oregon State, and I was tweeting this, they looked like they, they were up 35-17 late in the fourth quarter, and then they ran a fake field goal, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, I love that. I love that. You know, you're Oregon State. You're, you're going to be a three or four win team this year. Just have some fun. They, they had some fun with it. Um, rough, uh, 0-8 for Arizona in the uh in the Pac twelve right now. They're one in ten against the spread, Dave. Like that is pretty awful. Um these ones are just almost free money. Like we're we're good at these now. By the time of the end of the year, we're doing this with the Pac twelve, you kinda know like, okay, this is not this is definitely gonna happen. Um we're right on most of these because it was just like, yeah, this is not this is not happening for Arizona. No, they're they're I mean, crazy things can happen in the territorial cup, but um they're not, they're probably not winning that one either. So they're, uh, they're looking at an 0 for 0 and 9 conference season. And, Oof. you know, if we're talking about, uh, I don't think Rich Rod's on any kind of hot seat just because, I mean, it was as recent as last offseason where they were like trying to prevent him from leaving to like South Carolina. But Jesus, man, 2 and 10, 0 and 9 in conference. That's not, that's not going to put butts in the seat. No, uh, not. Not an ideal situation. Um, but I, and Oregon State is, you know, we have them, you know, we had them at 11. We'll reveal, you know, soon our, our, you know, podcast of champions power rankings, but they're two and six in conference. So two conference wins, not terrible. I think Gary Anderson's kind of got them, you know, in the yeah. right spot. It's just, you know, they're getting better. There have been some tough losses, but they play so well at home, Dave. They're like a, I'd like to see what their number is covering the spread at home. They, I, it's got to be really good. We've, I'm usually always picking them when they're at home. Because I think I can. So, um, 
Idaho State, they won by 30. I would imagine that was a cover because nobody thought Oregon State was good, so they probably weren't even favored by 30. Uh, Boise State at home, they won. They lost by 14. They might have just barely not covered in that one. I think Boise State was minus 13, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, okay. They covered against Cal because they won. Yeah. Uh, they covered against Utah because they only lost by five. They covered against Washington State because they only lost by four. They covered this game for sure. So I think it's, I think they're four or five. Maybe, I mean, I don't know what Boise State's line was. I can't remember, but, um, they might have been, they might have been perfect at home. Yeah. They're just, it's just a, it's a team that plays well at home. So they got that. And I think there's building blocks for the Beavers to build on for next year. And, and this is going to be a huge one against Oregon because Oregon's playing better. Um, yeah. and, uh, I mean, obviously the Beavers just would love it. it doesn't matter. I mean, Oregon could be 0 and 11 and they would still love beating them, but, um, that's going to be, that's one you want to watch. That civil war is going to be fun. Yeah. It looks like Boise State did close, uh, minus 13 in that one. So. Okay. So, you know, within a point of being undefeated against the spread at home, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. And that one actually depends on when you got it because it looks like it was minus 16, 16 and a half at one point that week. So I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them perfect. Nice. Go beefs. I like that. Um, so yeah, so. 11 verse 12, but it's, it really wasn't that close. Arizona has separated themselves, uh, <laughs> in as, not a good, in a not, not yeah. Good. Uh, it's just one of those things where you just want the season to end and you kind of fix whatever you need to fix and move on and try it again next year. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that was our week 12, uh, recap and just to let you know our picks. Yeah. I, I think I got Dave again on this one. So I was four and two. Dave was three and three. Um, mm-hmm. but both of us still. <laughs> Well, well above 500. Both of us well above 500, a, making you money. We've got a crazy uh, bull season coming up. I'm within striking distance. Oh, yeah. I I, re- I usually, like, I get in a rhythm with these Pac-12 games. The bulls, I just like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, we'll see. Okay. So, I think it's time, Dave, for our Pac-12 Roundup. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. And uh, we go... We go in reverse order and we, uh, we had a request. I'll try to, I'm going to try to write down our picks. There's a lot of going on while we're doing all this stuff. So I'll write down our picks in our little notebook. And then at the end, I'll recap all of them. If you want to go to your bookie or you're on your way to Vegas or something, um, you would have definitely made money if you've been listening to us all year. So we'll try to help out, but we'll go in reverse order. So we'll reveal our power rankings as we go. And a lot of uh, rivalry games, there's actually seven games because there's a couple non-conference games as well. Um, but our first one, uh, this is the one in the desert. So we have Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> our, that's our number 10 team taking on our number 12 team, as we had mentioned. Arizona Wildcats. All right. So this one's on at 630 on Friday, uh, 630 p.m. on ESPN. It's in Tucson. So keep that in mind. Um, but ASU is only favored by three. Uh, which is peculiar. Um, ASU's had some issues running the ball this year for sure. Um, Arizona's had issues doing, um, anything on a football field. Uh, ASU does a few things better than Arizona does anything. Um, you know, Arizona State, not great against the run last week, but, uh, generally speaking, pretty competent against the run. Arizona's like the one thing they can do offensively is run the ball. Um, so I think ASU takes that side of it, and I don't really see much else that's dangerous about Arizona. Um, Arizona State's not good. We have them number 10. Um, they could absolutely lose to pretty much any other Pac-12 team. 
I just don't think they're losing to Arizona. Uh, give me ASU. I'll uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll lay those points. Yeah, there's you know Arizona's covered one game against the spread all year. I I can't predict that you know it's going to happen in the rivalry game. Uh, it's not like Arizona State is is great. Um, they didn't score a whole lot of points against Washington. Uh, that was obviously a lot tougher team, but they didn't. They just didn't look all that good. You know, not being able to run the football. I think they will be able to do a little bit more against Arizona. Um, but yeah, I, I can't, it's like, I want to, like, I want, I want to see Arizona succeed. I want, you know, to get Rich Rod to get a, to get a win, but they haven't done it yet. And it's hard to like put your neck out there and expect them to do it this week. I just, it seems like it's going to be one of those things. You wrap up the season on Friday and you go <laughs> clean out your locker and just go figure things out in the off season. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to see every Pac-12 team emerge with a win this year. I just, I just don't see it happening. I think Arizona State probably wins big, actually, because I think Arizona's just done. Yeah, so three-point spread just seems a little. I mean, it doesn't make much it's sense. Weird. It's for sure weird. Um, I don't. I wouldn't. Here's here's what I'll say. I think Arizona State wins big. Would I bet on this game? Not a chance. Like not a chance. Not in a million years would I bet on this game. Yeah. Um, but we got to do it because this is what we do. Yeah. Well, okay. we, we put no money on this. We're counting on your money to be put on. Right. It. I keep thinking about it, like, you know, if we're doing this well, we should like just put a little fun together and then start like betting for real. And then of there course year, our picks would go crazy bad at that point. There was a year where I think I went 11 and one UCLA against the spread. And I was just like, what, what am I doing? Like, why am I? <laughs> and then I was like, wait, would that be some sort of like insider training, training because I cover the team? Like, would that be bad just to like bet based on my insider knowledge of the program? And no. I mean, probably, right? Is that unethical? I don't Maybe. think so. I mean, sports betting is pretty unethical to begin with. So and that's a moralist perspective. That's great. Sports <laughs> well, it's, Ill- awesome. it's illegal, though, like in most states. So in some places, like for, everywhere, you know, various arbitrary interstate <laughs> commerce reasons, <laughs> blue laws. But anyway, um, yeah. So I, I don't think Arizona wins this, but I would not bet on it. I think right. ASU would think. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. So next up, uh, it's not really a. It's kind of a rivalry. I mean, they have the same fight song, so we'll go with uh, number nine. UCLA Bruins. And uh, number eight. California Golden Bears. Oh, the who gives a crap bowl. Uh, 4 p.m. on ESPN2 on Saturday. Uh, UCLA is somehow favored in a football game again. Minus three on the road at Cal. Uh, both teams are four and seven. Both teams are two and six in the Pac-12. Both teams are fresh off of playing their heated rivals. And uh, both teams could not, I can only imagine, care at all about this game whatsoever. Um, I think it's going to be a terrible football game. And I, I'm not really jumping out on a limb there because every UCLA football game has been in some form or another a terrible football game this year. Um, in theory, if you're breaking this down by matchups, which I think is a foolish way to break this game down, uh, <laughs> UCLA matches up pretty well against Cal. Their secondary is pretty good. And Cal, about the one thing they can do at this point in the year is throw the ball. So in theory, UCLA can uh, shut down part of Cal's offense. And in theory, UCLA might be able to run the ball a little bit on Cal the same way they were able to run the ball a little bit on Oregon State. 
that's all in theory. I think this game is really going to come down to which team shows up and cares, um, because I don't think it's a given that either team is going to do that. Um, if both teams show up and don't care, uh, this is going to be, oh, oh boy, it's not going to be, you know, I, I feel for every UCLA fan out there who's like, wait, there's another game we have to watch now. Um, and I'm sure for Cal fans too. Um, give me Cal. Give wow. me Cal. They're at home. I, in, in the Who Cares Bowl, I'm going to go with the home team. Give me Cal. And it's hard because UCLA is a, a road favorite here. Um, three points. And it, I, your theory about who cares, I think is very poignant. It's very important. I mean, really, both teams could come in and not really give in a crap. Um, but I, the UCLA defense, I still believe in Dave. And I think that. I think you can get to Davis Webb and I think you can, you know, after chasing around Sam Darnold being frustrated, I don't think you're going to get the same kind of frustration. I, I kind of get the feeling, Dave, that UCLA front's going to get a bunch of sacks in this one and, uh, you know, maybe run the ball a little bit better. Maybe they stick with the kid with the long name longer than four or five <laughs> carries. Um, he's from Fresno. Is he from Fresno? He's from Fresno. Yeah. I just remember, I think when I was doing the Fresno State site, I like, Went to go talk to him. I was like, well, how do you say your name? I was like, what? Um, yeah. And then he ended up uh, committing to UCLA. It was like, oh, well, this is, this kid's way, old. I shouldn't be talking to him about Fresno State if you're going to go to UCLA. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I get the feeling they'll, they'll run the football better. Uh, I get the feeling the defense is going to play better. So I'm going to take uh, UCLA and lay the, the three on this one. Not, not feeling great about it, but, uh, I don't know. I got I got some faith that this defense can step up and uh, you know bounce back after a, a tougher week last week. Well, good. You've just given me a reason to care about a UCLA football game. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so I so you're gonna take Dave's taking Cal. All right. Uh, it's a, I mean it's three points at home. Like you know some, something to keep in mind. Until very very recently, UCLA hadn't won at Cal since like 1999. They uh, I think there was like. Even in the Mora era, so it was 2012, they lost at Cal, and then they played at Cal again in 2014 and finally beat them. But between like 1999 and 2014, they hadn't won wow. at Cal. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, I've actually been to a Cal-UCLA game up in Berkeley when I was living up there. Uh, like a girl I was dating, I think she went to Cal and we went to the game. And it was, I mean, you know. Because they do have the same, you know, there's the same song being played and stuff. It was kind of crazy, but it was it was fun. Yeah, Cal's is just slower, so like a little bit slower, and uh, probably some musical person can tell me exactly what the issue is. But there's like a different key or something. Oh, it is okay. So it's a little like uh, it's a little bit different, and there's not a there's no eight clap at the end. Um, so that adds to it too. Gotcha. We, you know, UCLA alumni, we we just eight clap at everything. That's all we. <laughs> Clapping right. eight. Um, we'll see. Okay. So now you care about it. So at least I did that. At least I helped hey. you. Yeah. <laughs> You've restored my, uh, my ability to care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Poor Dave. Okay. Let's go. Uh, number. So this is the, they call this one the Civil War, I believe. Uh, number 11. Oregon State Beavers. And number seven. Oregon Ducks. Oregon shooting up. Um, the back half of the Pac-12 podcast power rankings. Um, and keep in mind, everyone out there, if you're a little offended that your team dropped or went up or whatever a little bit, keep in mind, 7 through 11, the same team. 
Every single team in the power rankings between 7 and 11 is the exact same football team. You could take the players, interchange them, take the schemes, interchange them. They would perform exactly the same. It's uh, uh, Dave, this is the sixth team, the five and six, the teams that we've mentioned so far. Five of those six teams we've mentioned are two and six in conference. Yeah. Uh, go, everyone. This is great. <laughs> um, so this is on at 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 network in Corvallis. Um Oregon is a three-point road favorite, somewhat like UCLA at Cal. Um, once again, kind of tricky and weird. I think Oregon, now that they've actually won a game, they beat a you know decent Utah team, maybe have a little bit to play for. But I think Oregon State is like a hundred percent on playing for absolute pride at this point, um, and they know they're playing pretty well right now. Uh, they just beat Arizona by a lot. They played competitively in the previous weeks against UCLA and Stanford and, you know, against Utah, um, against Washington State. They've been right there in a lot of Pac-12 games. I think they see a vulnerable Oregon team this year. And don't forget, Oregon was nowhere near this bad last year, and Oregon State gave them a game. It was really, really close. Tie game at one point, late in the game. Um, I think Oregon State wins this outright. Um, I think they're going to be able to run the ball really, well, really, really well on Oregon. Um, Ryan Nall should be able to generate a ton of yardage. Um, they'll be able to pass the ball fairly well against them. And while I think Oregon can, you know, generate some points, um, I could see this being a fairly high-scoring game. And I think Oregon State comes out on top at home. Um, they're going to have that crazy Corvallis home crowd uh, behind them, and uh, I think they pull off what it'll probably be their first Civil War victory in quite a while. So that'll be really cool. Yeah, I, I forgot to look it up. I'm, it's yeah, Oregon State hasn't beat Oregon in a long time. So um, getting three points and they're at home. I like Oregon. We talked about them covering being, you know, really good at covering at home. I'll take those three points, and I I, I think there's a real shot that they win this one uh, outright. Uh, I think Ryan Nall can have a big game. Now Royce Freeman, uh, he was back last week and he's playing really well. And I think Herbert can you know can throw the ball, sling the ball, but Beeves at home. It's a, I'm going to, I'm going to roll with them, Dave. I'll take them and get three points. I'll take it. Yeah. So the last time Oregon State won was 2007, a double overtime game in Eugene. And they actually won two straight, uh, 2006, 2007, but oh, okay. has been eight straight Oregon wins. Yeah. So, uh, that's, uh, two, uh, <laughs> so we, we had a, what is it? Eight, eight straight years of a Democrat in the White House. We're going to switch it. So I think this is the year, Dave. It's like, uh, two terms of Oregon winning and now yeah. it's going to be beefs. It's going to flip it. It's going to flip it. I don't know about for the next four years, but I think at home, this one, I think it's going to be, uh, a beef win. All right. Um, let's go number five. Stanford Cardinal. Taking on, uh, Rice. Ooh, ooh, or something. <laughs> the owls, right? <laughs> um, we don't have a sound effect for the owls. Yeah, they're 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 taking on a, a food group. Uh, <laughs> so this is on at 5 p.m. on some channel. I'm assuming it's Pac-12 Network, but for whatever reason, ESPN does not like to tell me what channels these games are on. I believe it's the Pac-12 Network. It should be. It should not be on any other station. It is on uh, Pac-12 Network. Yes, yeah, the 5 p.m. Pac-12 Network. All right, rice is garbage again. Uh, they were okay for a while, like six years ago, but they are bad again. They are three and eight. Um, Stanford, like we've said above, is back to being pretty darn good. They're eight and three. Stanford's favored by 35 and a half points. Oh, and knowing geez. nothing about Rice, I still have to figure Stanford's offense is not quite in a state where they're going to cover 
uh, five plus touchdowns against, you know, pretty much anybody at all. So give me Rice and the points here, but Stanford should win big. Literally knowing nothing about Rice, Stanford should win big. (laughs) You kind of stole my thunder. Like, I know diddly squat about (laughs) Rice. Nothing. Um, I do like brown rice. I hear that's better for you than the white rice. So I try to order that when I'm in like Chipotle or something. Um, yeah, but the 30, I mean, Stanford yeah, might not. Great. Sco- it's like a legume. It's great. It's wonderful. Everybody likes rice. Yeah. But yeah, Stanford might not score 35 and a half points, you know? Um, I'm going to guarantee they won't score exactly 35 and a half points, but I don't know. I mean, that's a lot. Uh, and we've seen them, you know, last week, uh, you know, they put up 45. Against Cal, you know, they could put up 45 again, but is Rice not going to score 10? You know, like I, I so just, yeah. uh, I'm, I, I'm curious now. Let's just look at what, right. Wow. Rice is bad. <laughs> I don't, I really don't know anything about Rice. Actually, they're not. Okay. They're, 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 they're fine. So UTSA is a pretty good mid major. They only lost by one to them. Okay. Yeah. They're good. Uh, they beat. They, they only lost by four touchdowns to Baylor at the beginning of the year when Baylor was still okay. Um, they beat UTEP and Charlotte. Hey, beat Prairie View, beat North. Te- oh no, they lost to North Texas. North Texas is so bad. But they only lost by seventeen to Army. That's a bowl team only this year. Only lost by thirty-two to Western Kentucky on the road, and they're a good offense. Yeah, that's a team that scores a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the thirty-five and a half. I'm in. All right, I'm in. All right, yeah, we're riding with the Rice Owls here. Not that we 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 think you're great, Stanford, and uh, you're gonna win this game, but. I'm not convinced that you got that much offense in you. We'll see. Yeah. They'll probably prove yeah. us wrong. Oh, I'm going to watch this game very closely. Yes. Uh, I'm very curious. Uh, what's yeah, going because on? it's not opposite a much better game at all. Like, that's not, that's not a thing. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. So next we have, uh, now I don't know. Do you know what this one's called? Do they have a name? Cause it was kind of, this is a created rivalry, but, uh, number six, Utah Utes. And number three, and in Fuego, Colorado Buffalo. Which one should this be called? Was there something in the mountain or something? Uh, I don't know. I, I like, know it's called, I've heard something, but I don't remember what it was. I, I apologize. So tweet us and yell at us and tell us we're idiots for not knowing what this is called. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. I want to know. Um, if not, we'll work on creating a name. Anyway. Uh, 4.30 p.m. on Fox, number 12, Utah, probably not number 12 for much longer. Uh, going at number 10, Colorado, probably moving up to number 9, Colorado, to be honest. Um, Colorado's favored by 10 and a half. This actually opened, I think, at 12, 12 and a half. Um, has moved a little bit Utah's way, which I think is right. I don't think this is a 12-point Colorado game. I think it is, you know, roughly more around the 10-point range. Um, Colorado has passed the eye test quite a bit more for me than Utah, but I'm always loath to say that about Utah because Utah takes no issue with winning ugly. They, they love playing ugly. They love winning ugly games. That's fine. Three-point game, sure, let's do it. Um, so, you know, eye test-wise, yeah, I think Colorado's a fundamentally better team, uh, a little bit more balanced, probably better defense and a better offense than Utah, um, but Utah just kind of, they do those Weird little things. They play special teams really, really well. Um, I think this is going to be a relatively close game um, until late, and then I think Colorado pulls ahead, kind of like what they did against 
Washington State. I think they're just riding on such a high right now. That's that's a little joke about Colorado having legal weed. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're riding on a little bit of a high right now um, after beating Washington State, I think controlling their own destiny. Um, and I think Utah's probably, you know, maybe a little bit dejected after that Oregon uh, loss. I don't think they're the type of team that would ever, you know, kind of quit to end the season or pack it in just because they are out of the conference title race. Um, I think Kyle Whittingham's too good of a coach and too good of a motivator for that. But I could see a little bit of dejection um, that keeps them from maybe, you know, putting together a hundred percent, you know, type of game where they pull this one out. So give me Colorado and I will, uh, I'll take Colorado to cover the, the 10 and a half. I'm going to go with you there too. Uh, I was kind of going back and forth uh, a little bit on this. If it was 12 or 13, think about it more, but you know, Colorado is just really good against the spread. You watched that game last week. They were fired up and for a chance to win, the Pac-12 South, if you win, I just think that this is going to be a team that plays really well. Uh, as long as Sefa Lufau can stay upright for most of the game, not, not that they won't get sacked, just that he doesn't get hurt again. Um, he's such a difference maker. Uh, I think they just want to go out on top like this and there could be a little, you know, demoralizing, uh, for Utah last week. You know, they don't want to, they can be the spoiler, but is that really when you, what do you want to be motivated to play for? So it's a lot of points. Um, but I, you know, Colorado's covered all those spreads for a reason. I kind of think that they'll even have a little extra notch, you know, crank it up an extra notch, Dave. So I will take Colorado lay in the 10 and a half as well. All right. So that'll be the, uh, probably the marquee game on, uh, Saturday. And I know it goes opposite Rice Stanford for everyone out there, but, um, but you know, try to tear away from that game. <laughs> Um, all right. So that's going to be a really good one. And then there's another, uh, really, really good one. Um, for, we call it the Apple Cup here at the podcast of champions. Not sure what they call it in the actual game, but we've, we named it the Apple Cup. I thought that was good. Um, number four, Washington State Cougars. And number two, Washington Huskies. All right, so this is a 12:30 kick um, on Friday on Fox. So this is your great post-Thanksgiving uh, game to watch on the Friday. Uh, everyone gets that day off, and if you don't, I'm sorry. I know it's a shame to say that, and then have you not get that off, but pretty much everyone gets that off. Washington's favored by six um, on the road at Washington State. I thought, you know, if Washington State had shown a little bit better against Colorado and maybe Washington had stumbled again a little bit against ASU. This could have been close to a pick Um, as it is, uh, Washington appears to have righted the ship. So I think that's why you see that Washington favored by six thing. Um, the thing that gets lost in last week is that Washington state actually played really, really well. And they are a different home team than they are a road team. Um, they've struggled a little bit on the road, but, uh, at home they've been consistently a little bit better. Um, I think I like Washington state here. Um, I think that their offense can give Washington some issues. You know, last year, uh, I think Falk was out for this game, um, which presented some problems and Washington won handily. But, um, I think Washington State, uh, with Luke Falk, the way they were playing up to and including that Colorado game, they didn't play poorly. Um, I think they can give Washington some problems. I don't necessarily have Washington State winning outright, but I think they can cover the six. Um, I think this could be a close, kind of really, really fun game between these two teams. And uh, it'll be one game further away from that Crapple Cup in 2008, which would be nice. <laughs> um, well, this, I'll give you a chance to uh, catch up a little bit on this one, Dave. I'm going to go with the Huskies uh, on the road. 
I, I, I can easily see them winning by a touchdown. Um, I think the motivation factor will, will be there for them. Not that Washington State won't be motivated and they do play a, a lot better at home. Um, but I, and I just get the feeling, Dave, that this is a chance. They know they could go to the Pac-12 championship, championship game, uh, go to the Rose Bowl, potentially go to the college football playoff and try to get some style points. If this was a bigger spread, I don't trust, uh, Chris Peterson with style points and having to cover. That's why I didn't pick him last week against ASU, but only having to win by six. I could, you know, I could see something like that. It's not going to be like they're going to take their foot off the gas. Um, I think Miles Gaskin, uh, has a big game. Uh, running against Washington State, which is defense I really like. Uh, Jake Browning, another big game. Uh, I, I can see Luke Falk having a good one too, but it's just a, it's just a better defense that, that Washington plays. And I think they're going to, you know, give Falk enough problems where he has some success, but has some failures too. And, uh, I just think it's going to go, uh, to the, to the Husky. So I'm going to take UW in this one, laying six. Well, you're wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I, that's, that's going to be good. So that's the Friday one, right? That's yeah, Black that's Friday. So, Friday. So maybe your wife or your husband or whatever, your listeners out there, well, that your husband or wife are out there shopping, you know, trying to get the... Maybe your husband and your wife, all right? Look, we're not against polygamous relationships. Oh, here. yeah, that too, or both. Yeah, all your wives relationships are well and accepted here, okay? Yeah. It's fine. Um, Are there polygamists like the other way? Like one woman has like... Five husbands, or is that never? No, happen? we live in a patriarchy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's not happening. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Come on. Somewhere. Some of that. Whatever. Whoever's out in in your life, and they're out black shop, you know, Black Friday shopping. You can sit home and watch this game because I'll definitely be doing that. At my food coma, I'll probably be making like a turkey sandwich every quarter or so, and uh, just getting ready to watch a lot of football. But it should be good. Apple Cup. Um. We should tell those guys up there that they should call it the Apple Cup, right? We coined, I think yeah, we coined, that would be a good thing to call it. We, um, I think we coined did. that, didn't we, or no? Yeah, I, I think that was us, right? <laughs> we, only, we coined it last year, right? <laughs> uh, that's I, I like those names. It was funny. Um, they were talking about, I think it was one of the shows I was watching, talking about some of the cool rivalry names. Uh, I, I, I like the Apple Cup a lot. Like the Egg Bowl, kind of weird to me. Um, Bedlam, though, that's one of my favorites. I think that's a really good one. Bedlam is great. Bedlam is the best. Um, okay, so we got one game left. Man, we're going long again. Well, there's seven games to get to. I know, uh, it's a lot. We got uh, number one. USC Trojans. And uh, unranked and four and seven on the year, Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, you got to be pot of gold. <laughs> Something, you know? I mean, who knows? Whatever. <laughs> it's on at uh, 1230 on uh, ABC on Saturday. USC is favored by 17 points. Notre Dame is 4-7. and seven. They're not good. Um, but they're not quite 4-7 and seven bad. Um, they've lost a lot of one-score games this year. I think every single loss has been by a score. Um, let's look. Here, I'm going to look up Notre Dame because, frankly, if I don't have to watch Notre Dame football games, I don't watch Notre Dame football games. They lost by three points to a bad Texas team, by eight points to a bad Michigan State team, by three points to a bad Duke team, uh, by seven points to a not great NC State team, by seven points to a decent enough Stanford team, by one point to a pretty good Navy team, and by three points to a decent Virginia Tech team. Um, they're not good. They've been better defensively over the last like five weeks, six weeks since they got rid of their defensive coordinator. Um, still not great, and I think USC is playing at a much higher level. Uh, 17 points is a lot. 
but it is at home for USC, um, and they are clearly peaking in a big way this uh, right now. So I think I like USC to cover the 17. I'm going to agree with you, Dave. I just can't. Uh, I was picking against them to cover these spreads for you know the beginning of this winning streak, and I kept getting it wrong. So I'm like, all right, screw it. I'll just pick them. Um, so I'm going to roll. <laughs> just I mean, basically, I'm like, I'm going to pick them until they stop covering. Um, Notre Dame is very good at blowing 17 point leads. I think they've done that like four or five <laughs> times this year. Yep. Uh, literally, like up 17 points against Virginia Tech and lost, and this happened a whole bunch. Um, they have kept these games close and they've lost them. They're not bowl eligible. They're not a great team, but I could see why if you would take, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, if you were to say, Hey, take Notre Dame in the 17 points, I could get that. I mean, I, I get it. Um, this is a team they, they lose, but they lose close. Um, but I just kind of get the feeling coming on the road. No, now you can't be bowl eligible. Uh, I don't know. It's a motivating factor being in a rivalry game. You'd like to come out and play well, but just the USC just comes, it's just kind of a machine right now. You know, that's why we have them ranked number one. And they're, you know, if, if the, if everything goes to chalk, they're not making the Pac 12 championship game, but they're just playing that high a level of football right now. So I'll take them and lay in the 17. Um, you know, I could see Notre Dame keeping it ugly and close and winning this one. I could see that happening. Not, you know, Super likely, but I could see something like that happening. But I, I just the way USC's playing right now, Dave, I got to take them and lay the points. For sure. And you, you know what other team had only lost like pretty much one score games all year before facing USC? Uh, was that uh, UCLA? Yeah, it was UCLA. <laughs> they lost by 22. So there you go. Yeah. Um, you, you, we got a question? We got a question out there? Is there a question? Oh, we do. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to read it? You got to. I don't even have it pulled up. Okay. Hey, this is Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. Happy early Thanksgiving to you, Ryan, and Dave. Oh, he's acknowledging you, Dave. That's Aww. nice. That's nice. Thanks, Nick. I don't think he doesn't like you. I think he likes you. Um, you just fine. I think yeah. he likes me more than you. He, he very well could. I don't know. I think, yeah. I think I kind of made fun of him on the boards once or something, and then he got mad or, or said, I, I don't know, something like that. Or, I bet. But I love Nick. And thank you for your service, Nick, and all the other uh, service people out there. Love what you guys do. Quick rundown. Uh, Oregon 30, Utah 28. Great game. Does this save Oregon's head coach from being fired? I say yes. Dave says no. Utah blew it. Uh, was it a catch or not? It was. I'm glad Utah lost, which means they cannot win the Pac-12 South. Um, yeah, that's, that actually kept USC alive. Uh, apparently USC players were watching or some of them were watching it and they all got excited and security had to come because they were all cheering after Oregon won that game. Um, so yeah, it definitely kept, but it looks like Colorado's rolling. Uh, but it, it did keep USC's hopes alive, at least. Washington State 24, Colorado 38. Yes, Wazoo lost. Colorado won their biggest Pac-12 win. Both these teams will play big games next week. Maybe they see each other in San Francisco. Fair. Uh, Stanford 45, Cal with a K 31. Stanford wins another rivalry game against C. McCaffrey. Uh, he's back running for more than 200 yards. Cal, uh, well, next year they'll play better. Um, Arizona State, 18, Washington, uh, 44. UW with a win against a lower ranked Pac-12 team. ASU maybe gets six wins next week and that's it. UW, big game next week. That's true. Not big game because that's Cal Stanford, as Dave loves to well, say. We, we would know if it was a definite article. Then we would say if it was UW, the big game next <laughs> week, then we would know definitively that he was incorrectly citing it as Stanford Cal, but because he didn't use a definitive article, 
We are left with ambiguity. That's <laughs> why you use definitive articles. <laughs> I feel like you should write a paper on that. that I would be feel good. like I should. <laughs> All your free time. All right. Um, USC 36, UCLA 14. USC owns LA. Bruin revolution is over. Well, truth be told, it never really began. Mora is overrated. Clay Helton saved himself this season by winning. Fight on Ryan and Dave. Well, maybe in a few years, you will have a chance to beat USC, LOL. Oh, so he takes a little dig there, man. Uh, UA 17, OSU 42. Didn't watch the toilet bowl game. <laughs> Frankly, both teams are garbage. Yeah, Oregon but it's State's all a matter gar- of which one smells the worst. Yeah, Oregon State's not garbage, but this game was fairly, it was kind of hot garbage, yeah. All right, here's the questions. Uh, what coaches you think lose their jobs this time next week? I'm, I'm, I'm holding up. There's a possibility for Mark Helfrich. Otherwise, I think, uh, yeah, pretty much everybody else is safe in the Pac-12. Yeah, I would think so. I don't know if he meant, he didn't say Pac-12 specifically. Um, well, Charlie Strong's already out-ish. I, I guess it hasn't officially been announced, but he's done. Um, yeah, Orgeron's probably gone at LSU. Um, I think there's still a chance, but yeah, losing to Florida in a game where they statistically dominated was not good. No. Uh, who else gets fired like a gun? Um, I mean, those are the big ones. There hasn't, you know, Brian Kelly. Is there a chance of that? One <sighs> seven. If they get blown by USC, is there even a chance? I think he's probably too close to those to being very good. Yeah, I think he's just. It, it's not, you know, he had one bad year, you know, and like you said, they were all like close. It wasn't like you were getting blown out, you know, like that's the problem with Helfrich is that you weren't, you weren't losing close games. You were getting, you know, you put up 70, you gave up 70 to Washington. That's pretty bad. Hugh Freeze, if they lose the Egg Bowl, Mississippi State, I think there's a good chance of that one. It's funny, like Sumlin, like people talk about him. He was number four team in the country for the playoff and then he loses a couple games in a row. Um, yeah, but they were ready to do that at the beginning of the year, and they're probably just getting back to their where they were at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, I think I don't think it's going to be a, a too crazy firing season, actually. No, and it, it's and it's kind of funny, like if, if it, you know Texas, you kind of have a natural, you know, Tom Herman just kind of a natural fit in there. You know, there could be some dominoes. Like Houston's job is not a domino job, but like a Jimbo Fisher to. Baton Rouge, like that would be a domino job. There would be some crazy stuff happening. So there, there could be some nutty stuff, but it doesn't look like it does, too much. Does Butch Davis get canned? Or not Butch Davis, uh, Butch Jones get canned? No, I talked, my wife is like, uh, big into Tennessee. Um, doesn't sound like that's happening, but, uh, there's a lot of people that want him gone. Is uh, next year like a deep hot seat year for him? I would think so, because this was the year they were supposed to win the, the really poor, uh, SEC East. So you can't win it this year. Like when you're going to win, you know, Florida was depleted. Um, they did, you know, he did beat Florida this year. So that was like one, that was a goal. Like he needed to beat Florida, but that's not like, I mean, if that's what you're hanging your hat on, it's not all that great, but they, they'd lost to Florida like 11 straight years or 12 or something crazy. And last year they were like winning in the fourth quarter and blew it on a, you know, like a Hail Mary thing. It wasn't even Hail Mary. It was like a catch over the middle. The guy ran all the way for a touchdown. I mean, it was nuts. So. He did beat Florida, but I don't. I don't think they'd fire him. Yeah, I would. I would think any SEC East job has got to be fairly attractive because you're on the right side of that conference. Yeah, basically on the other side of Saban. Um, so 
hopefully most years you only have to play him once if you are very good. And if you can avoid him, I mean, the rest of the SEC right now is not very good. Like even in the West, it's, you know, if you, if you can shine and you don't have to play Alabama until the very end and you'll be all right. Okay. I swear to God, Nick and Nick and I think just like right along with each other. Cause look at his second question. Uh, which team is the worst team in the pack in Pac-12 history for the last five years? Colorado, Arizona, or Oregon State? Hmm. I mean, I'm going Arizona. I think they're the worst. I think this year's Arizona team is worse than uh, than than those teams. So is that but, like a collect? Is he talking about a collective of five years or? Yeah. So from the last five years, which which of these teams is the worst? But like um, like but, a single season was the worst, like or. Uh, Oh, that's the, a good question. That's a good question. So, a single season, I would I would say this Arizona team is the worst. Um, collectively, I, I think the answer is unfortunately, I think it's the Buffs, right? It could be. I mean, they like how many Pac-12 wins did they have coming in this one? Because uh, Oregon State was decent in 2012, as recently as 2012. Um, they were like nine and three or ten and two, something like that. Last year. Oregon State beat Weber State and San Jose State, and that was it. They were uh, 0-9 in conference. Um, that's pretty bad, too, if you're talking well, a single that, year. That, that, that's bad, but I think, I mean, Colorado had some years in there. Yeah, like, yeah. Colorado I think collectively put, yeah. you'd probably go with Colorado. But let's let's just take a look, all right? Let's just, let's just pull up the old records here. All right, so we're looking at yearly results here. Okay, so Colorado, um, since 2011, has gone three and ten, one and eleven, four and eight, two and ten, and four and nine, and then this year. So, in the last five years, it's basically since 2012, they're one and eleven, four and eight, two and ten, four and nine, and nine and two. So I think they're pretty close. Um, Arizona has a Pac-12 South title in there. Yeah. And before that, they were like a competent six or seven win program. So I don't think they're the guys. Oregon State. Did you break it down the last five years? No, only the just last year they were zero and eight, zero and nine in conference, and two and ten overall. So let's just pull this up. So since two thousand twelve, they were nine and four, seven and six, five and seven, two and ten, and then this year. So no contest. It's Colorado. But you know the year's not over, and if Colorado wins the Pac-12 South, like yeah, is that, that that outweighs everything? If they win a Pac-12 South, or if they win the Pac-12, which I think is completely doable, um, then yeah, they, they would they would be out of that cellar. But as it is right now, I think the last five years, even including this year, you've got to say Colorado's been the worst. But worst single years would either be Arizona this year, and they still have a chance to beat Arizona State. Uh, but last year, going 0 and 9 in conference, that's. Uh, because they lost the, the game to Colorado. That was the chance to, to get a win. Um, those sure. would be the two worst single season years in the last five, I believe. I don't think, you didn't say any, there weren't any other worst ones, right? Um, no, I mean, Colorado's year, they, they had a winless conference year, but no. Oh, they did have one too. Okay. I think so. It was either winless or one loss, but I'm off that page now. Yeah. And Arizona's <laughs> not even in it. They're eight, they were eight and five in 2012, eight and five in 2013, 10 and four in 2014, and seven and six, uh, last year. Yeah. So this is really just one bad year. One very, very bad year. It was, <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um, all right. Then the last one, he says, last, have you seen a team like USC start one and three 
and then win eight games straight. Yes, eight games. They will beat ND by two plus scores, like they did ugly. Uh, fight on. Love what you do, Ryan and Dave. Don't ruin your life. Uh, fight on. Nick was a little uh, more aggressive in this one. Yeah, well, he's feeling good. This came a day ago. Always <laughs> went off that that win. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I think we've all seen teams that start a little bit slow and win a bunch of straight games. I think this is probably one of the biggest jumps this year for sure. I think the only other team that would be in the conversation this season is Penn State. They've kind of gone on a run since starting the year a little bit slow, but I think USC has probably outdone them a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, it's fairly rare, but I mean, if you're talking about you know USC teams, I think uh, I don't know uh, what was the breakdown in that 2002 year. Did they lose games at the beginning of the year and then rattle off like a bunch of straight wins? Yeah, I that, think they lost to like Kansas State and Washington State, and then uh, and then kept winning after that. Um, yeah, so that would be, I guess, something similar. Um, but the thing was that those were close. The I think what's weird. Those were close, you know, those were close games they lost. Like USC was getting blown out in the beginning, you know, by, you know, Alabama and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's unique because of the coaching deal. Like you don't usually hire a coach like with two games left in a season like they did last year. And it wasn't just the one and three start. He lost the championship game and then he, his first, you know, permanent head coaching. It's the first game as a permanent head coach was the Pac-12 championship game. He lost to Stanford, got beat pretty bad. And then he loses to Wisconsin in the bowl game and then starts one and three. So he's really like a one and five coach as a permanent head coach. And now he's won seven in a row. So it's, it's a weird situation just because USC was in a weird situation with firing Sark, interim coach, when he got hired, AD leaving and all that kind of stuff. So I think that part of it's more unique, but we've seen a lot of teams kind of start off crappy and then turn it around. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I think it's it's very good for this year, but I don't think it's necessarily unprecedented. Yeah. All right. Well, Dave, I think it was pretty good. We went like an hour and a half again, but it was a you know we had a lot to cover. Yeah, it was magical. And uh, I would you know I would go magical. I think. That, yeah, I, think that's right. I, I don't. I, I don't like. I said that matter of factly because I don't think there was another word to describe it. <laughs> I think this was a magical podcast. All right. It was. And it, I love rivalry week. This is going to be fun. So make sure, you know, you could go out and exercise, but why would you want to do that? Stay at home, watch on your TV, or if you want, go to the stadium. If you live, you know, whatever venue you're in, check out some, some Pac-12 football this weekend. It's going to be good. I love the rivalries. Uh, that's, oh, I love the rivalries like UCLA Cal and Stanford Rice. They're just so good. <laughs> I love the way the Pac-12 schedules. It's so awesome. It's but fantastic. okay. But okay. So. There's a lot of things we can, you can bag on the Pac-12 about, but the fact that there's all these geographic natural rivalries is a really cool aspect of the Pac-12. So. Yeah. Yo, those fun. geographic natural rivalries, like Stanford Rice, <laughs> just so good. Make, <laughs> make this week so much better. Fair point. <laughs> Dave, just getting a little digs in. Um, just, just, I'm just throwing, I'm just throwing fists just everywhere. <laughs> just blindly, just punching things. <laughs> I'm trying to say nice things, um, but it's good stuff. Okay, so if you're still listening, thank you very much. Uh, you didn't have to do that. It's a, it's, a, it's a holiday week, you know, but you want to get your fix of the Podcast of Champions. I hope we brought it. hope you enjoyed it. Uh, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Make sure you check out Pac12Podcast.com for all our last episodes, and we will talk to you next time.
Uh, one last thing. I let Dave go, but I forgot to uh, mention our picks for the week. For week 13, so we had uh, Arizona State was a three-point favorite over Arizona. We both, Dave and I both took ASU. Uh, Cal was getting three points against UCLA at home. Uh, I took UCLA minus three. Dave took Cal getting three. Oregon, uh, three-point favorite over OSU. Both Dave and I took Oregon State. Dave said outright. Um, I could see that happening too. Stanford, 35 and a half point favorite over Rice. Ryan, uh, Ryan, me, Uh, me and Dave both took um, Rice, even though we don't know much about him. That was just a lot of points. Colorado, minus 10 and a half uh, against Utah. Um, I took Colorado and Dave took Utah. Just kidding. You know, Dave loves Colorado. He took Colorado too. So, Ten and a half point favorite Colorado. Both Ryan and Dave are on that. Washington, uh, six point favorite at Washington State. Dave's going to take the points. And the Cougs, I took Washington on the road, laying six. Then USC is a 17 point favorite at home against Notre Dame. Both uh, myself and Dave took USC to cover the 17. So thanks again for tuning in to the Podcast of Champions, and we'll talk to you next time.